In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. All right, moving into chapter six of Ecclesiastes. Joey, do you want to just give us a brief overview of what we're going to be getting into before we start going through the verses? Yeah, I think the main point of Ecclesiastes 6 is that we are given resources. We're given opportunities to steward, Mm -hmm. and we have two choices about that. We can steward them uh, towards our own destruction, or we can steward them towards our own benefit, which includes the benefit of others and the kingdom of God. So it's presenting these, um, in some cases, cautionary tales, uh, but really these parables, these little warnings about making sure that we do the best that we can to steward our opportunities well. Verses 1 through 2. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is prevalent among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that his soul lacks nothing at all that he desires, yet... God has not empowered him to eat from them, for a foreigner enjoys them. This is vanity and a severe affliction. So chapter 5 ends with, a, with Solomon talking about someone who has the opportunity to enjoy their wealth. And a lot of times when we talk about money is the root of all evil, I, I think we kind of misconstrue what that means. It's the love of money that's the, that's the root of all evil. So in chapter 5, we, at the end, we saw this example of someone who enjoys their wealth and stewards it well. What we're seeing here is the opposite. Somebody who has been given every opportunity but but squanders it, um, uses it poorly. So they have everything that they could could want. Um, But because they haven't trusted God, they haven't allowed him to empower them to enjoy the fruit of their labor, to enjoy the meaning that's possible to be accomplished through sharing and stewarding your wealth and your other opportunities. Yeah, in this particular case, God gave gifts, and they seem to be squandered. Um, and we don't know whether this is um, from his this person's own uh, mis- misuse or, or what it is that so someone, someone else enjoyed them instead. But for some reason, this this person uh, di- didn't get the opportunity to uh, to enjoy their own thing. And one one of the th- one of the things that Solomon told us before is one of the things we need to learn to do is enjoy our labor as we go. And so here is somebody that said that that doesn't have the ability to do that for one reason or another. And Solomon is looking on this and saying, "Hey, this is really sad." Three through six. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, however many they be, 
but his soul is not satisfied with good things, and he does not even have a proper burial, then I say, better the miscarriage than he. It comes in futility and goes into obscurity, and its name is covered in obscurity. It never sees the sun and never knows anything. It is better off than he. Even if the other man lives a thousand years twice and does not enjoy good things, do not all go to one place? So here, here you've got um, a continuation here. You had a somebody that didn't enjoy something, the foreigner enjoyed it. And we, that could be for many reasons. And then he goes on and this, this man fathers a hundred children, which in that age would have been a tremendous blessing. It would have showed great riches, great prosperity, great benefit, and lives many years. Again, a great blessing, but he's not satisfied. Okay, so he's not enjoying his labors as he goes. He's not enjoying the process. And then he doesn't have a proper burial. Probably means that he had fractious relationships with his family. The only reason you wouldn't have a proper burial is because there's there's uh, you're, you're you're either not liked by your family or someone else comes in and kind of takes everything over. In either case, you have enemies and conflict. That's that was uh, that was the uh, characteristic of your of your life and livelihood. So it's the exploit path. This it seems to be fairly clear. This guy's taken the exploit others path. And what, what the, the end result of that is you were miserable during your life and everybody can't stand you. They're all glad you're gone. Sort of like Scrooge at the end of uh, his, you know, dream of his future, ghost of the future when he sees himself and everybody's glad he's dead because at least this old miserly guy that nobody could stand is gone. Yeah, interesting about that. At the end of verse 5 when it says uh, about the stillborn or the miscarriage um, in comparison to this guy, it says it is better off than he. That word for better actually means restful. So uh, another translation could be uh, the stillborn has more rest than this man does. And, and sort of what you're talking about with Scrooge in, in the dream, there's there's no rest in peace about about this person. There's no kind of celebration and like, you know what, this we we were talking to my parents recently about some of their plans and their ideas and their wishes for after they die. And we were just talking about that, you know, that reality coming. And I, I said to Kyle, I was like, you know, I'm obviously not looking forward to that, but my parents lived a, a, a great life. They've mm-hmm. stewarded it well. And when, when they die, their life is going to be celebrated. They mm-hmm. made excellent choices, were very faithful, had a great impact on me and any number of people and, and loved and honored God. And so there's a certain amount of resting in, in peace. That's what we mean by, by that phrase. And they're going to be, you know, to a degree, remembered and, and celebrated by us. The miscarriage had no experience in life. The, the hoarder here had a miserable experience in life. No experience is better than miserable experience. And he squandered it. I mean, the guy had the life. He even had a prosperous life. And he's got 100 kids, and he dies, and the 100 kids don't want anything to do with him. No, not a single one of them would give him a proper burial, apparently. So that life is just not worth living. An exploit life ends up totally meaningless. 
Well, and it's interesting that the two things that this exploiter seems to be successful in are the two things, superficially speaking, that we tend to find a lot of comfort in. I want to live as long as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to put off death for as long as possible. There's so much in our life that we endeavor, not only just the literal act of dying, but even the aging process. There's mm-hmm. plastic surgery and all. Mm-hmm. We want to have our bodies for, stay mm-hmm. around for as long as possible. And then that idea of having uh, a legacy, having children that you can mm-hmm. pass down all of your wisdom and all of your mm-hmm. money and all of your other things. So in the two things that we find most secure, uh, longevity of life and somebody uh, in, a, in your family. And maybe a third, wealth, apparently. And wealth, a third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the kind of the gold, metal, and bronze or gold, mm-hmm. silver, and bronze in what yeah. order you mm-hmm. choose. But they're, they're the ones that we really look to. And, and again, he has those outcomes, but if they're squandered, it's worse than obscurity uh, because obscurity at least isn't wasted possibility. All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does the wise man have over the fool? What advantage does the poor man have, knowing how to walk before the living? What the eyes see is better than what the soul desires. This, too, is futility and striving after the wind. So here's your more monster again, uh, Joey. Mm-hmm. If if you live for your appetites, what are you going to get? Dissatisfaction. That's it. You're going to get dissatisfaction. And what are you going to want? More. Hmm. Um, there's a there's a um, Socratic dialogue I like a lot that Socrates asked this guy, you know what life's about the guy says you know have your appetites fulfilled so socrates says so the bigger the appetite the better guy says yeah and so because that means you can have more fulfillment in your appetite so he said so does it feel good when you scratch an itch the guy says yes and so he says so the happiest person is a leper because they itch all the time. Ah, <laughs> uh, you misunderstood what? No, that that's actually exactly what happens. You become a, a leper. And when we live for appetites, what we're doing is saying, I want to be a leper. Yeah, it, the the focus on meeting those appetites is is a sense of, of slavery, right? A sense of, of misery. Even if it's self-imposed, it's still a shackle that you're placing on, your, on yourself where... Um, you're just seeking this black hole of more and more and more, which we've, which we've talked about quite a bit. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work. You're, dissatisf- you're dissatisfied. Uh, and Solomon goes on to talk about, uh, in verse 8, he says, what, what advantage does a wise man have over the fool? What advantage does a poor man have knowing how to walk before the living? What he's talking about here, I think, is, again, the idea of contentment. Uh, of being satisfied with what you have and not chasing after uh, the things that you don't have. Yeah, he he talks about um, what advantage does the poor have to walk before the living. That could be that phrase could refer to like the street sparts of a of a poor man scrounging for food or whatever. But just just because the guy has street smarts doesn't mean he's not still ruled by his appetites. Mm. And uh, Solomon adds, what the eyes see is better than what the soul desires. Another translation could be, 
enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. So the, the key to satisfaction is enjoying what you have instead of enjoying what you don't have. If you enjoy what you don't have, you by definition will never be happy, right? Because you can never enjoy what you do have. And so this, this more uh, materialistic consumer mentality is the, at least 3,500 years old. Which is when this book, when this uh, chap, this book was written. So, um, it is to be avoided. Uh, contentment with what we have, while continuing to strive, is the key to life, and the key to contentment in life. And the thing that that well weds those two things together is faith. Hmm. And if we do, if we do pursue, okay, the next thing. The next thing is what will make me happy. When we do pursue that, it's futility, hebel, vapor. It's the same as going out and saying, I'm going to catch the fog or going through a cloud and say, I'm going to take a, I'm going to grab a handful of this and take it home and striving after the wind. Go see if you can chase the wind. That's the same as saying the next thing is going to make me happy. The next purchase is going to make me happy. The next the next promotion is going to make me happy. The next relationship is going to make me happy. The next movie is going to make me happy. The next video game tranche is going to make me happy. None of those things will happen. Contentment is a choice in the circumstances you have. Well, I like the way that this is worded. What the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. There's some. There's several different ways that he could have worded this, but what he's what he's saying, he could say it a little bit more straightforwardly, maybe saying what the eye sees is better than what the soul has, right? But what he is saying in, in terms of trying to encourage our contentment, but what he's trying to allude here to is what your soul desires is available to you, like peace. The, the choice that you have is available to you, but what your eye sees tricks your brain into thinking, oh no, my soul actually desires that thing. Or the thing that my soul desires can only be found in that thing. In a superficial Right. Thing. And so our gaze starts to turn to, uh, to that thing, replacing what is available to us right now, which is the choice of contentment. That's funny because I, I was getting to the same place looking at it just the opposite way. What my eye can see is what I have. What my soul desires is what I don't have. Okay. So if I'll be content in what I do have, I won't be at the tyranny of what I desire. Oh. Which is, it, it gets to exactly the same place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking at it, looking at it a different way. That's funny. Whatever exists has already been named, and it is known what man is, for he cannot dispute with him who is stronger than he is. For there are many words which increase futility. What then is the advantage to a man? For who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime, during the few years of his futile life? He will spend them like a shadow. For who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? You know, I, I initially looked at these questions in verse 12 particularly, as, you know, kind of rhetorical. Like, nobody knows what's going on. But I, I think more than that, it's pointing to the fact that God is the one who has the answers mm -hmm. to these questions. And so we, uh, in order to fill the gaps between what we're capable of and what we're not, what we understand and what we don't, 
we have a lot of like filler words, filler narratives, filler ideas. Um, we are trying to make up for where we fall short by uh, puffing ourselves up and adding a false uh, layer on top of our little totem pole to make us look a little bit taller. It's like when uh, a little kid might put newspaper in their shoes or something to give them a little bit of an inch when they go to school or something like that. Um, and what this is saying is that, look, you, you, you've you got to trust in God. God is the one who is the Lord over all of these things. And if you live a life that doesn't trust in him, uh, then you're going to, if you if you decide not to do that, there's going to be a, a, a gap, a hole. And you're going to fill that hole with other things. And in this case, it's talking about words, but it could be a lot of other things. Whatever you fill that hole with is going to be futile. Now, Solomon makes a turn here in Ecclesiastes, and he he stops talking about work so much and starts to talk about words. So we've gone from what we do to what we think now. And mm-hmm. what we do what we do is really important. I mean, it's be content in what you do. What you do is a, a significant part of the enjoyment of life if you look at it the right way. It is a means to total futility if you look at it the wrong way. But that's not enough. It's connected to our thought life now. So it's important to think the right way too. And if we think we can do it by ourselves, if we think we know better, if we think uh, that we can figure this out and don't need God's help, we very predictably know exactly where that's going to end up. Hebel, mm. vapor, cloud, futility. That's, that's where it's going to go. And somebody does know who, what's good in our lifetime. God. God does know what we should do with our few days in our lifetime. He tells us what to do. Uh, He can tell us what to do under the sun. The question is, are we going to listen and are we going to trust? That's the fundamental question. And that's the key to happiness and non-happiness. But it's not circumstantial happiness. We may bring ourselves more circumstantial difficulty if we choose the right road. But there's meaning and purpose. And there's, by faith, tremendous reward on that path. Down the other path is just going to be, you're going to have a bunch of two-tick and no-dog relationships. <laughs> you're just going to be exploiting people and see who can exploit who the fastest and extract from them. There, there's no real, there's no real uh, uh, joy in that lifestyle. And when it, when it says here in verse 10, whatever exists has already been named, uh, we've talked about reality. And what this is saying is that existence has already been named. Reality has already been established and defined. So again, we can't wiggle out of all of these things by just creating a different world in our head. Uh, often when there's an argument uh, or, or an issue on the table, if I can determine the parameters of that discussion, then I'm going to kind of lead where it goes, right? I'm yeah, going to help right. lead the, the, you know, the conclusion. And so we try to do that when we reach these difficult challenges. We try to move away from the existing reality that God has named into a reality that we can name because then I can, then my reason 
in my experience, can lead to ultimate fulfillment because I've reframed the discussion. The problem with it is that that's just an illusion. It's just a delusion. It's not real. It doesn't actually work. So again, this is another, especially as we move from that transition from work to to words, uh, he's evoking here kind of the, the God speaking existence and saying this, the word, Jesus included, from the beginning has been established mm-hmm. and we can't wiggle out of that. No, it is. You, you can deny it, but that doesn't mean it, it's not still there and we're still real. You, you can also deny the door and you'll break your nose when you don't open it. Right? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.